coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts, we are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Fellas, it's the height of the off-season, really. We're, we're getting ready for rookie drafts, and we're getting ready for the NFL draft, probably more than anything else, but... But we're also doing this social distancing thing. So how are you guys doing with everything that we have our minds wrapped around right now? I'm doing good, Dan. Uh, you know, staying at home, staying away from people, uh, still working, you know, four, four days a week or so. Uh, but certainly a crazy time out there. Uh, we actually have people that are they're actually paying the zoo is actually paying people to work from home who can sew masks so they they they, a bunch of people like sewed a bunch of like face masks for us now that that's a cdc thing so i got one today with a with a with a puppy on the front of it uh wasn't my my first choice but it was what i was given to maybe i'll i should wear that on on the pod so you guys can see that (laughs) i'd like to check that out matt ryan i'm i'm guessing you're not wearing a puppy mask anytime soon (laughs) No puppy mask. I, I thought Matt might have one with Christian McCaffrey on it or something <laughs> like that. But <laughs> no, no, no mask at all for me because I am just staying home it, it, as much as I can for sure. I hope everybody is. Uh, it seems that that's how we're going to get past this. So, but yeah, to, uh, staying home, taking in as much fantasy and dynasty intel as i can to get ready for the draft yeah we're all like business as usual at dlf we're hoping this draft happens like it regularly does and the season comes around by then everything kind of blows over so for the most part we're thinking business as usual um we realize that there is the possibility that things change but because there's the chance that things go off as we expect them to and i'm talking about the nfl draft and then, of course, the the NFL season as well. We're gonna we're gonna prepare our listeners as if it was a regular season, I guess. So, with that in mind, let's get to our main topic, fellas. We we were we talked we started talking rookies last week, or or actually, we've been talking rookies for quite a while. But we've been talking about rookies in our overall rankings for the last couple of weeks now, and we've moved on now to the running backs and wide receivers after talking about quarterbacks and tight ends a week ago. So we're going to get to that, of course. But first, Matt, you had something we need to talk about. Yeah, Dan, all of our orphans over at Safe Leagues Fantasy are filled currently. So we have a list of uh, a little bit more than a dozen people that will be entered into a drawing for our listener league coming up soon. Uh, So excited to compete against three of you guys pretty soon here and for everybody that did pick up orphans using our code dynasty we really appreciate it uh and and hope it's going to be worth your while you're going to get a good commissioner you're going to get a good league and uh, you might get to play against us so uh looking forward to playing against you guys soon yeah we are for sure and and you mentioned good commissioner we got to say thank you to scott fish he handles all that stuff over there does a great job so everybody that picked up one of those orphan teams uh they're in good hands over there uh, and, and we're rooting for you. We at the DLF Dynasty Podcast are rooting for you to dominate that league this season. So let's get to the the main topic of our program here, guys. And we're starting with the running backs. We're going to get to wide receivers here in just a minute. But we're talking about these rookie running backs that are entering the league. Of course, we don't know where they're going to land in the NFL draft just yet. But we're trying to figure out how we should be valuing them right now for those of... 
those dynasty owners that are in Devi leagues or, or doing drafts before the NFL draft even takes place, how should we be valuing these guys? So we're going to start at the top. We're going to look at April ADP, uh, looking at one quarterback rookie drafts, and there are five running backs in round one. So Matt, let's start with you. As of right now, Jonathan Taylor, the Wisconsin Badger running back, is the 101 overall, according to that April ADP. Where does JT fall in your rankings overall? Yeah, so all five of these guys that we're going to talk about that are going around one right now are, are kind of all grouped together for me. Honestly, I think it's, for me, it's a, it's a pick your favorite flavor kind of scenario until we know the landing spot and know who's going to get the opportunity in year one. So all five of these are grouped together for me uh, in the, about the running back, just after the running back 10 to 11 range, uh, I have them just, or sorry, uh, just at running back 13 range. I have them just after Aaron Jones, uh, pretty much all of these guys. So Taylor is actually, this is going to, this, this is probably going to be blasphemy because I know everybody loves Jonathan Taylor and he's the consensus 101 right now uh, in rookie drafts. But for me, I, I have him at five amongst these guys before we know landing spots because I want that pass catcher. I know Taylor did pick it up in his final season, uh, had a very high uh, yards per round run, that kind of thing. Uh, uh, and he pick it up in that final season there. Um, but it just hasn't shown enough for me in that regard. And I, all these other guys, I believe, are better pass catchers than him. So uh, until we know landing spot, if Jonathan Taylor goes as the first running back off the board to one of these prime landing spots, I'm sure he will shoot up to the 101 again for me. Uh, uh, but right now he's five. But all of these guys, like I said, are, are in that just after the outside of the top 12 running backs for me, just after Aaron Jones ahead of Derrick Henry. Yeah, and we'll get to all five of these guys. But it's interesting what you said there, Matt. Uh, it depends on opportunity in year one. It depends on that landing spot and that draft capital and things like that. I, I got to know. We're going to jump ahead just real quickly. Who is that 101 then for you? It's it, it's DeAndre Swift still. Uh, it's, he's been my 101 the whole time. Uh, he's the the. I, I just I like Taylor a lot as a runner, and I know, I know this has probably been said a million times now. He's a beast as a runner. I just I don't see it with the pass protection. And if he can't if he if he can't be that you know really nice receiver out of the backfield, and he can't pass protect, is he really going to be that three down back? I just don't see it that that kind of role for him compared to these other guys. So yeah, DeAndre Swift still the 101. I think he's probably the second best pass catcher amongst these top five. Uh, but put it put together with everything else, I think he is he he's going to be able to provide the most immediate opportunity for us in fantasy. Matt, you're not on an island. There's there's plenty dynasty analysts out there that are, are saying the same thing about Jonathan Taylor. Ryan, let's bring you in on JT. What are your thoughts on him overall? Not only overall with with the entire running back landscape, but also inside this this rookie group of running backs. Yeah, my my response feels kind of boring, kind of cookie cutter right now because my rankings actually agree with our current ADP. I have Taylor as my RB1. Uh, I, I definitely get the concerns and probably agree with the concerns that Matt uh, voiced about Taylor as a pass catcher. But to me, he's just such a dominant runner that I think that's that's enough to overcome. We've, we haven't really seen uh, many of these Wisconsin running backs used in the passing game. And then as they transition to the NFL, and, and that's true of a lot of schools, uh, it's just a lot of colleges. It's just the way their offenses offenses work that they're not giving these running backs many pass catching opportunities. And, and that can change in the NFL. So I'm not ready to say he can't, uh, can't be a weapon in the, in the uh, passing game. I, I did say that with Melvin Gordon and uh, I was wrong on that one. So, uh, so Taylor is my RB one. I also agree with Matt that for now, these guys, and this is really true of, of all the positions as incoming rookies, you kind of put them in groups of how you're tiering these players. And when you're trying to fit them in rankings with veterans, they just kind of go in those chunks. So I've, I've got Taylor Swift and JK Dobbins, uh, all three right beside each other. And they're all just barely sneaking into my RB one tier, uh, inside my RB1 tier. So Taylor is RB9, Swift 10, Dobbins 11. Uh, and then just for reference, they are between Miles Sanders at 8 and Josh Jacobs at 12. Yeah, so so they're all falling in that in that range. And, and for the record, I, I, I'm similar to you, Ryan. I'm, I'm 8, 11, and 12 with those three running backs. So, so they all fall in that top 
top 12 and and technically a, a running back one, of course, with Taylor Swift and Dobbins. I'm excited about these all these guys, and I think Dynasty owners are thirsty for that next crop of running backs. So, Ryan, th- this group, is, th- is this the next group that takes over the league and, and really – really helps really refresh the running back position for us. We we've talked about how these guys are three, maybe four years, that second contract. Then we start worrying about them overall, uh, what they can do for us as dynasty owners. Is this the same old, same old there? We, we expect big things first contract, or is there something special about this group? I think there is something special and I think it can be another group. Uh, at least at the running back position, similar to what we saw in 2017, just so many impact players and, and making that impact quickly. If you look at the current RB1s without these rookies, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, these are all 2017 guys. Of course, they're all in that RB1 range. Uh, Leonard Fournette in that group as well. And uh, I think I'm probably even missing a couple of guys. So, this I think this can be that type of class where we're we're looking a year or two down the road and and we do have uh, at least three and maybe even more as top twelve running backs in dynasty leagues. Yeah, it really feels that way to me. And Matt, you, you got to tell me because it's Taylor Dobbins, Swift, Acres, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, this whole group of running backs. It, it feels like it's not only. It's not only stacked at the top with really good talent, but it's deep as well. It goes beyond those five names. So we've talked about Taylor. You've mentioned that you have Swift as your as your top guy. Go a little bit deeper. What do, what do we think about this 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 top tier as a whole, and and how that will fuel dynasty owners as they try to make a run going over the next three, four, five, maybe even beyond that though that amount of years. Yeah, I think these guys are, I don't know if refresh is the right word, because I think we have a lot of exciting young talent up there. Uh, you know, we, we're a few years into Christian McCaffrey. We're a few years into uh, uh, Saquon Barkley and the like. But, you know, these guys are, are young. There's 23 years old. Kamara's only 24. You know, I think we feel pretty safe with all these pass-catching running backs up until 26, 27, maybe 28. And it, I think I've said it numerous times, but Christian McCaffrey, I feel like somebody is going to be useful in fantasy, you know, maybe all the way to his age 30 season just because of this pass catching uh skills that he has but you know the, that next tier down we still have miles sanders and nick chubb and joe mixon to still feel feel good about all of these guys i think once you get to the the josh jacobs aaron jones uh i guess they're derrick henry there if you want those are, that's when it starts kind of uh getting a little bit questionable in terms of being your running back one so i think at least three of these guys are going to end up you know after that that first that maybe that top seven or eight like we've been talking about absolutely yeah and and there's there's just so much talent. So since we have a couple minutes, guys, let's talk. We've talked about the top guys. We've talked about those five guys that we expect to go in the first round of rookie drafts, Taylor Swift, Dobbins, Akers, and Edwards Hilaire. Now, now that may change slightly because of landing spot and opportunity early in their career, but it goes a little bit deeper, right? And and there are players that if they land in the right spot and if they if they get the right opportunity, we might we might have a running back that could move up these draft boards. So Ryan, if if there's a guy outside of Taylor Swift, Dobbins, Akers, and Edwards Hilaire that could really jump up the board for you if he lands in the right spot, who's that guy that screams out to you? Yeah, that's kind of a tough question for me, honestly, because I, I think for most people, let me answer it this way. I think for most people, that answer is probably Zach Moss, who seems to be kind of knocking on the door of uh, of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and, and getting into that um, into that tier. And for most people, he's probably RB6 right now, a good landing spot or maybe surprising draft capital if he were to be a, a mid-second rounder or even a late second rounder with some of these other players coming off the board, then he would really see a value boost. I still have some uh, some concerns about him making the transition, so it would have to be it would have to be the best landing spot for me to really move him. But there are other running backs uh, behind Edward Solaire and, and this group of five that I'm interested in. Dan, I remember uh, when we really started this running back talk, 
or this rookie talk, you were excited about Darrington Evans. I had to kind of plead the fifth and say, ah, I need to go back and do a little more work. I've done that now, and now I, I am on board. He's actually my RB7. I've got him above Zach Moss, above uh, Eno Benjamin and A.J. Dillon, some of the some of the names that are more well-known. So I'm excited about Darrington Evans uh, to see where he lands. Uh, I, I did just want to throw out before we move on from the big five, it's – you know, we talk about these individual rankings, and it's one thing for me or Matt to share our rankings, but this is this is pretty much how they're being valued uh, across the board. If you're looking at our ADP, and that's um, this ADP is from uh, is from March, so I think a- it, April. It, April. No, I'm sorry. I was talking about startup ADP. Sorry. My bad. Our, our March ADP actually has. Taylor Swift and Dobbins all as top 15 dynasty running backs already. And I think they could even uh, move up the board in April and, and in May post draft. So those guys are already uh, either being valued as an RB one or very close to it. Uh, it just hit me when you were talking right there that the top two running backs in this class are Taylor and Swift. That's disgusting. Uh, you mentioned <laughs> Darrington you? Evans. <laughs> You're just figuring that out? Uh, yeah, there? just figuring that out. It just happened for me. and I was like, are you serious? Is that a real thing? Uh, Darrington Evans, yes, I've been on that hype train. Uh, really think if he gets that draft capital and, and the right landing spot that he could shoot up board. So you kind of stole my thunder there, Ryan, but I'm glad you're on board finally. Matt, same thing to you. Is there a guy for you that jumps off outside of this big five that, that could make a dent for dynasty owners? Uh, I don't know about a big dent. It does seem like a pretty dramatic drop off to me with these guys. You know, we have the, the athletic Marvel, like AJ Dillon, but you know, I think he's, he's got some questionable uh, questions about him. Serious question about him. Darrington Evans, you turned me on to Dan, definitely like him. It's not that exciting, I guess, based on his 2019 season, but Eno Benjamin is a little bit interesting to me. Uh, just cause he, he, you know, he caught the, I know a lot of them were behind dump offs, that kind of thing. Uh, and he is kind of, seems like a little bit more of a body catcher than a hands catcher. But he did have 70-something receptions over the last two seasons. So if he gets into that kind of change of pace role, it'd be interesting. You know, maybe a, a, a team takes a shot on him on the, in the third, fourth round, one of these, like, end of, the, end of the, the, the round kind of teams. I'm not saying necessarily the Chiefs, but, you know, a team like that. Towards the end of, of the third or fourth round, after they've got some of their premier players in the first couple of rounds and, and maybe need a depth running back, uh, that could eventually be a contributor. You know, he seems like somebody who could be that guy if he was to get there not that exciting but uh seems like he could be a receiver at least uh out of the backfield for some team dan if you're uh if you're just figuring out the taylor swift thing i'm guessing you're also behind on the quarterback four and the quarterback five you know (laughs) love hurts oh my god (laughs) was it and remind me if i could be wrong ryan but on the blueprint wasn't williamson talking about like taylor swift like that's his favorite thing in the world is the taylor swift yeah he uh, he thinks he's very clever i I think you got that mixed up too ryan it's actually hurts love which makes no Uh, sense right that's how it is for me (laughs) thank you let's take that as an opportunity to transition to the wide receiver position guys and ryan i want to start with you april adp for single quarterback leagues has seven wide receivers in round one, and it starts with a guy that most of us think is really the wide receiver one in this class. That's C.D. Lamb coming in at 103. So we're, our main topic here tonight, or, or this week really, is to talk about where these guys fall in our overall rankings at their position, really. And so I'm wondering of you, where does CD Lamb fall among all these veteran wide receivers? Uh, so he is he would currently be my wide receiver 16. Uh, I'm actually kind of surprised he's even that low, honestly. I thought I might even I have him higher. I thought that feels safe. That feels yeah, I thought I might safe. have him higher than that. So if you look at my rankings, my and, and again, we did this uh, several weeks ago. We went through our rankings and found some consensus Uh, positional rankings for the podcast. My top tier is nine players deep, including Michael Thomas and Adams and Hopkins and Evans, Godwin, all those guys we've talked about. The second tier is mostly filled with uh, younger, high upside wide receivers. Odell Beckham sneaks in there. Uh, But other than that, it's AJ Brown and Metcalf and Sutton. 
Uh, Cooper Cup and Galladay are also in that group. So that's wide receivers 10 through 15. And C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy, again, I'm, I'm grouping these guys until we know more about draft capital and landing spot. I think it, it does make sense to put them in those in those chunks or in those tiers. So Lamb and Judy would be next at 16 and 17, placing them ahead of Stefan Diggs, Keenan Allen, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, players like that in that third tier. That seems fair. It, you're certainly not out on a really skinny limb with any of that. Matt, you willing to go any higher? For, first of all, the disrespect's being shown to Keenan Allen right now. It's just, it, I can't stand it. <laughs> Matt, stand that is not it. the topic today. <laughs> we, we will okay, have sorry, your sorry. Keenan Allen disrespect show soon. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm actually just just a, just a smidge lower than Ryan, probably because I have Keenan Allen higher. To be honest with you, <laughs> uh, I, I have both of, uh, both Lamb and Judy at 18 and 19 grouped together, just behind Kenny Galladay and ahead of Stephon Diggs. So just like Ryan, I have uh, those higher higher uh, upside young receivers: Cortland Sutton, AJ Brown, Calvin Ridley, and Kenny Galladay, just ahead of those two. Uh, but I could easily see both of them moving up ahead of at least a few of these guys. But it is really difficult to get them into you know, a fringe wide receiver one situation. You know, my the end of my wide receiver one range is DJ Moore, Chris Godwin, DK Metcalf, those guys. So uh, it, it's just hard to put them ahead of guys that we already have seen produce on the field at such a young age. So 18, 16 to 18 range, it feels feels about fair for me. Yeah, I landed on 15 when I worked on things. And, and so we're all kind of in the same range. And most likely if you, if you pulled 100 dynasty owners – They'd all land in that 15 to 20 range for CD Lamb or whoever their top running back or excuse me wide receiver is for for this year's class. So so we kind of covered Lamb and we we certainly covered or we certainly covered Lamb and kind of covered Judy as well. But after that it gets it gets a little murky. There there's different wide receivers that come up at wide receiver three. I'm I'm I personally fall on the side of Henry Ruggs. He's an obvious wide receiver three for me, but there are all also others that say Jalen Rager is that guy or Justin Jefferson, even guys that say T Higgins or Denzel Mims. It gets pretty deep. There are seven wide receivers, fellas that fall in that wide or that first round of April ADP. It's Lamb, Judy, Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson, Henry Ruggs comes in at 10, Denzel Mims at 11 and T Higgins at 12. So we're full of wide receivers here. Ryan, talk to me about the rest of this class after Lamb and Judy, where does the rest of these top tier or at least first round type rookie draft wide receivers fall in your overall rankings? Well, it's definitely an exciting group. And to me, the the best part about it is just the volume Um, for right now. My wide receiver three would be Jalen Rager. Uh, it's, it's, it's razor thin between really him and, and most of the other names you mentioned there. And just knowing that there are so many options, you know, if you have, if you have one wide receiver, you love, you're hoping for nice draft capital and a perfect landing spot. And it's really easy for those things not to happen. But if, if you're excited about Rager and Jefferson and rugs and Mims and Higgins, two or three of these guys are going to, are going to check both of those boxes and that's going to be good news for us on rookie draft day. Uh, right now, Rager is my wide receiver three, Jefferson four, Mims five, and Ruggs six. All four of those guys are very close for me. And I have them all between wide receiver 24 and wide receiver 28. So uh, the tier I was mentioning earlier, that third tier with Diggs, Allen, Ridley, they're basically at the end of that coming in behind Allen Robinson, DJ Chark, Tyler Lockett players like that ahead of Christian Kirk, Jarvis Landry, Nikhil Harry, Adam Thielen, and so on. Matt, same question to you. After Lamb and Judy, how does it shake out for you and where do they fall in your overall ranks? Yeah, Mims is my three currently, but like Ryan said, it's it's pretty razor thin, especially between him and Rager, my wide receiver four, then followed by Justin Jefferson, Henry Ruggs, and, and T. Higgins there. And I, I do have Mims a little bit higher than the other guys uh, in, in this group. The rest of them are all together. I have Mims at wide receiver 24. 
25. Yeah, 25. Uh, just behind uh, Allen Robinson and Debo Samuels and ahead of T.Y. Hilton and uh, Jarvis Landry. And then the rest of the guys are kind of grouped together right now, and especially until we know uh, landing spot. Uh, I have those ones down at the at the late 30s – or sorry, late 20s uh, behind uh, Adam Thielen and Robert Woods. It really, it really feels to me, Matt, that – if, if the right prospect, because it's so deep, like Ryan talked about, and because there are so many players that we're excited about, and it's, it's really what makes especially early second-round rookie picks feel so good right now, is that if the right prospect, even if he's 7, 8, 9, maybe even 10 among these wide receivers, if they get the right draft capital, second-round pick type, in the right situation, on the field immediately with a really good quarterback, which there are a few of those landing spots available, Matt, this guy could pop up draft boards and we could suddenly see him in the mid to late first round, even though right now it feels like these guys outside of Rager and Jefferson, Ruggs, Mims, and Higgins, they they are, they are second, even late second round picks. They could really move up. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I could, I definitely have Lamb and Judy, you know, step ahead of the rest of these guys. But if Mims lands in a, in, a, in a choice spot and those other two don't, then I could absolutely see someone like Mims and Rager jumping up to the wide receiver one in this class and just in terms of dynasty rookie drafts. Uh, so, yeah, I agree completely with that. Ryan, any other overall thoughts on the wide receiver class as, before we move on? There, there, There is a lot of depth. It's not just these top seven names. There's a lot of guys to be excited about later on in the draft. There are. I, w- I was just going to chime in with our overall ADP, and that, that helps us see the tiers a little bit more. Uh, C.D. Lamb is wide receiver 17, and again, this is from Startup ADP. Uh, about in line where with where Matt and I had him ranked, Jerry Judy, wide receiver 21. And and then we actually see a pretty decent uh, tier gap down to Jalen Rager, who has the wide receiver three spot locked up uh, as 29 overall in the group. And then a, another big drop. We all seem to agree that we have those uh, those wide receiver three candidates all ranked very closely. That wasn't true in our startup ADP. Rager at 29, and then the next one was Justin Jefferson at wide receiver 40. Ruggs 41, Mims 45, uh, and I'm sorry, I missed T. Higgins. He was actually wide receiver 38. So all those guys already being valued essentially as top 40 uh, wide receivers in Dynasty, and uh, I think we'll see them We'll see them all gain value over the next couple of months. I, I got a question. For for you, Dan, maybe and Ryan too, I guess. What 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 is the difference between Michael Pittman and T. Higgins? And like, what's the di- why why are they ranked so far apart? Like, it just seems like they're they're very similar players. And if they if if Pittman lands in a better spot, like it could easily leapfrog a guy like Higgins. Yeah, I think with with one thing with Pittman, and I, I've seen it talked about more this off season than really than ever before. I don't know if this is the only thing, but there's like a stigma against these players that stay all four years. Uh, and if you followed Michael Pittman through college, if, whether you played Devi or you're just a big college football fan, he entered USC as, as a top wide receiver recruit and really did nothing, N- nothing his freshman year, pretty quiet sophomore year, and then really came on with, with a couple of big years to finish. But initially he was thought of as somebody who would be in that, that 2019 class, and then he doesn't declare. He stays all four years. And you look, you look at guys like that, and it just ends up showing up as as kind of a ding on their uh, on their profile. So I don't know if that's playing a part in it or not. Maybe that's digging a little too deep. Uh, part of it, I'm sure, is just Clemson. Even though I mean USC is of course a, a high, very high profile school as well, but uh, I mean Clemson is a team we've seen every single weekend the past three years, really all of T Higgins' uh, career. So that that could be playing a part in it as well. I don't think – I'm not sure the NFL sees as big of a gap as maybe dynasty players do because if you look, most mock drafts have both of those guys as second rounders right now. Yeah, Ryan, you hit the nail on the head right there at the end when you said that the NFL doesn't value these guys as differently as, as dynasty owners and, and maybe those of us that rank these players because Pittman – he has a lot of upside, a big guy at six, four and two twenty three. a guy that has shown those 
I don't know, maybe maybe bursts of of big playability and and those those signs of a guy that can make big plays at the next level. He he wasn't disappointing at all at the NFL Combine and certainly uh raised a few eyebrows and made it made it look like he could he could be a big player at the next level. Uh he, he was he, he wasn't really the the guy in that USC offense early in his career even though he was that five-star recruit and all those things that you talked about Ryan but in 2019 he showed a little bit more of that he got a little bit more of that opportunity and and had more of those big plays and and those uh above the rim type plays that that make dynasty owners uh open their eyes and think quickly well, that could be a guy that I'm looking at next year. So Pittman was a guy that has moved up my ranks uh, the more I have watched him recently. And to your point, Matt, there there isn't a great deal of difference. And maybe it's because of what Ryan said, that, that one's a little bit older and one has been around a little longer. And although they were both big-time recruits, because Pittman didn't, didn't really put up the numbers early and and T Higgins did and is coming out earlier that, that we all think that, that Pittman is, is, is a step lower, step, step lower on the food chain, I guess. It really feels to me like you're right. And they're, they're, they are similar players, but to me, it's, it's part of the reason that I think early and maybe even mid to late second round pits picks are so great because guys like Michael Pittman are available. Yeah, and honestly, it makes me, if I was to have a, an early-ish pick, maybe not the 101, maybe somewhere like the 104, 105 range, and I had to, had to you know, quote-unquote reach to take somebody like uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire uh, over, say, Lamb or Judy, and then still be able to get a wide receiver in the second round that I like quite a bit. Like that seems like a move I might I might be willing to wake in that in that early mid kind of range. You know, just to get that that one of those top running backs like we talked about how it's so top heavy, and then come back with a with a wide receiver we still feel pretty good about later. Yeah, it feels like the thing to do now. We'll see what the NFL draft does to that kind of philosophy. I I, I can get on board with that for sure, Matt. I I wonder how because as it happens every single year. There are guys that that we expect to be drafted high and, and don't, and there are surprises. There are there are a few good things. We all we all hope that these fringe first rounders end up in great landing spots and really really shoot up their stock. But there are always guys that we 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 really feel great about that that fall down as well. So I wonder how that that early second round will look once the NFL draft plays out. Before we get to our rookie mock, which we've we're on a string, guys. We got to keep this going every week doing a doing a rookie mock draft for our listeners. Before we get to that, let's talk about our friends over at dynastyowner.com. Do you think you're smarter than an NFL GM? Do you think you're the best at fantasy football? Well, here's your yeah. chance to prove it. Dynasty Owner is the only patented fantasy sports game using actual NFL salaries and contracts. You manage your team from all levels, owner to general manager to coach. Dynasty Owner is for the smart, elite fantasy football player. There is no offseason in Dynasty Owner. The rookie draft matters, free agency matters, and every contract matters. Come do a startup draft in 2020 using actual NFL player contracts and salaries. Then improve your team each year with a three-round rookie draft and by trading players and draft picks. Win weekly prizes, seasonal prizes, and compete in the chase for the ring. The mobile app is in development and will be ready to download on iOS and Android in time for rookie drafts in May. Mock drafts are open now on desktop and mobile browsers. To learn more and mock free, go to DynastyOwner.com. That's www.DynastyOwner.com. Guys, let's do another, I guess, rookie mock draft based on a seven-round mock draft from matt miller at bleacher report so so matt miller did this seven round nfl rookie mock draft and we are going to base our rookie mock draft for dynasty 
on that. And instead of, as we have in the last couple of weeks, doing that based on Superflex rankings, let's do it as a single quarterback owner. And we're, we're, we're going to try to try to build these teams uh, based on what Matt did in his rookie mock. I drew the number one pick in this draft and, and I am, so I'm on the clock and, and there's a couple interesting landing spots. I really want to take a specific running back with the first pick, but he lands in a spot that, that I don't feel that I feel good about, but because they draft another running back later in the draft, I'm going to, I'm going to pivot off of him. My, my one one right now in single quarterback leagues is Jonathan Taylor. And in this mock draft done by Matt Miller, he lands with the pay or excuse me, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, that's blasphemy to, to <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers fans. He, he lands with the Steelers in the second round. He's the third running back taken in the NFL draft. I'm going to take Jonathan Taylor here. He's the one one going in. I'm not afraid of Connor and, and his ability. I think Jonathan Taylor, if he lands with the Pittsburgh Steelers, He's going to be the RB1 and the guy I won on my dynasty team, so I'll take him 101. All right. I think that leaves me at two. I definitely like the Taylor pick. I would have done the same. Any running back landing with Pittsburgh, I think, is going to see a value bump. We've talked about a lot of the the good spots, and that is one of them. I'm going to take another one of them in the same division. Uh, J.K. Dobbins in this mock draft is a – Uh, Late second rounder to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, We've talked about that landing spot on the previous couple of pods. I think the other mocks we've done have have had the Ravens taking a running back as well. Everybody seems to agree this is Mark Ingram's last year in Baltimore. So J.K. Dobbins is the heir apparent. uh, Comes off the board at 1.02 for me. Man, those are both great spots like Taylor just he just doesn't he just feel like a Steelers running back and then Dobbins landing with Baltimore those are those would have been my top two picks as well uh Dan I guess I will go ahead and take my 101 before we know the landing spot and that of course is DeAndre Swift he does go to Miami uh, which is fine from a volume standpoint but like you mentioned uh there's going to be another back that we one of us selects here pretty soon that also landed there uh so a little bit concerned with that but with that first round draft capital uh, I, I feel okay with this pick at 103. I got to know, guys, if if these these picks are mismoshed and and flipped around, is there is there an ideal landing spot? Because Miami is unique. It the the overall talent on the roster isn't great, and and they're trying to turn turn around things there. Pittsburgh, a perennial winner that is is competing for AFC championships and trying to get the Super Bowl on a yearly basis. And then Baltimore, the team with the exciting young quarterback and and the aging running back. So there's an opportunity there. If these guys are switched around, because dynasty owners are thinking about these things right now, Ryan, if if things are swapped around and and Taylor goes to Miami and and Dobbins goes to Pittsburgh and, and Swift ends up with with the uh, with the Ravens, how much does that change things? Because they're all similarly ranked for all of us that rank these rookie running backs. Well, again, we we've talked about the landing spots a lot. Uh, Pittsburgh is definitely one of my favorites. Uh, Tampa Bay and Kansas City are the other two that are talked about a lot. So my one point oh one will end up being one of these big five running backs that lands with either Pittsburgh, Kansas City, or Tampa Bay. And uh, it doesn't really matter which one it is, honestly. So if if this mock draft had Dobbins to Pittsburgh or Swift to Pittsburgh, those would have been my 1.01 picks. I, I do think, though, if, if, like, if Taylor landed in Miami in the first round, I don't know if he's I don't I don't he's not he's not going to be my 101 I just if somebody's going to land in Miami I want him to be able to catch the passes and I know we 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 think that Jonathan Taylor probably can but he hasn't shown enough to me personally so if he's on a bad team uh, behind a not so great offensive line uh, I I would rather have one of these pass catching running backs there all right for for those of you that have looked at Matt Miller's mock there's some interesting twists and I'll let 
I'll let you guys talk about those and and maybe why why some of these prospects maybe move down the the draft board a little bit. There are a couple of double ups and and that that really throws a twist into our overall rankings. Me personally, I think those those and I'm on the clock at 104. I think those top 3 wide receivers are relatively similar. I like Lamb and Judy as the one and two. I think Ruggs are, is closer to the two than to the four, personally. Judy, Jerry Judy ends up in the in the best landing spot of these three. And, and he lands with the San Francisco 49ers at 13 overall in that pick that they got from the Colts. I like that landing spot more than I like the landing spot for CeeDee Lamb. So I'll take Jerry Judy at four. Yeah, I don't. I don't blame you. I would have done that as well. Um, pre-draft Lamb as my wide receiver one. Jerry is two, but again, really close. And and all it is going to take. Everybody expects those two players to have similar draft capital. We see them both coming off the board as as top fifteen picks, and in a lot of mocks, they're back to back at at twelve and thirteen or eleven and twelve. Um, so that's. I don't think that part will really come into play it's really just going to be about uh, what team do they land on one of those teams in that range is the Niners that's Jerry Judy Uh, another is the Jets and that's where C.D. Lamb goes in this mock draft 15th overall and I'm going to take him there definitely have some concerns about the landing spot mostly because of their coach but I'm going to assume that this is his final year as coach and I'm going to take the talent and not not let the landing spot uh alter my tiers. I think it's fine if we're moving players up and down within a tier, but right now the top five players are the top tier for me. So I'll stick with that and take lamb. So for the record, if, if lamb with these landing spots, if lamb goes four, if I take him at four, Judy's the pick, right? Oh, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, I, I think the top five barring something crazy. I think the top five stays the top five, Matt, your thoughts on this Judy in San Francisco lamb in New York with the jets who you take in. If you're on the clock at four. Yeah, I would take Judy. Absolutely. All right. So Judy goes four, lamb goes five and you're on the clock, Matt at six. Yeah. And at this point, if we were in the same draft, I would probably see if I could swap picks with you, Dan, because I know you want rugs real bad and I don't. So I'm, I'm going to skip and just leave, leave them there for you for the next pick. Uh, I'm going to go back to running back and my current, again, landing spot unknown running back two is Cam Akers. He lands with the Detroit Lions. The third round draft capital is not as exciting, obviously, but uh, I think he's going to eat carry on Johnson's lunch if he were to land in Detroit. So I'll take him here at the one. You are right that cam Akers would handle carry on johnson just fine he'd get all those opportunities in that offense so that was a nice pick for sure it's actually you know the rugs idea is it's a good one because i think rugs is the third wide receiver in this class in this mock draft he's the number one wide receiver taken and he goes to the Las Vegas Raiders at number 12 overall, over Judy at 13 and Lamb at 15. If this plays out and Henry Ruggs goes number 12 overall, first wide receiver taken, he is a steal at the 107. So I'll take Henry Ruggs, 107, to the Raiders, which which really, guys, isn't a bad landing spot for a wide receiver. There, there's some. Uh, would you say that there's some kind of comparison here we could do between Rugs and Hollywood Brown? I think Hollywood Brown is certainly a better player, but you know he was the first receiver off the board in 2019 class, but he was definitely not the first wide receiver taken in rookie drafts last right. year. Did you say that Brown is a better wide receiver than Rugs? Absolutely. Oh, oh they're similar players. I, I, I would make the argument that Rugs is better than Hollywood Brown. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't. I would as well, and I'm not even. I don't even feel like I'm a huge uh, Henry Ruggs fan. But I, I traded I would... for Hollywood Brown in two leagues in the last ten days, and and I really feel like Ruggs is at least on par, and and probably better. If they were coming in together, there's a good chance I'd have Ruggs higher. But I was a Hollywood hater. I do get the comparison, though. I mean, not even necessarily from their from what we see on the field, but even just. Uh, some of the questions about them as players, uh, you know, are they one dimensional? 
and and their their fantasy value. If you look at last year's uh, rookie ADP, not only was uh, Hollywood not a the first wide receiver taken, he wasn't even a first rounder according right. to according to rookie ADP. Uh, he he came off the board early in the second round overall. So um, I don't think Rugs falls that far, but there's definitely some Henry Ruggs hate out there. Uh, and if you've, if you've been on Twitter, if you've been on uh, the DLF forums or, or really anywhere in this, in this dynasty community, you've probably seen it. So I, and, and that was there for Hollywood Brown as well. And at least the, maybe not the hate, that's probably not a fair word, but the, the doubt uh, about them as prospects. Yeah. Doubt is the right word for sure. Cause it's surrounding Henry Ruggs in the dynasty community. I'm not sure if it exists in the NFL general manager community, though. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's certainly the chance that Henry Ruggs is picked a lot higher than a lot of us dynasty owners expect. So I really feel that getting him at 107 is a bargain. And once once dynasty rookie drafts come around, 107 is going to feel like a dream for Henry Ruggs. We're at 108, Ryan, and you're on the clock. I am there. There's a running back I like left. I don't like the landing spot, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on him and stick with the wide receiver position. We talked about the the depth of that. I guess I guess you would call it the second tier, and we're seeing that play out here with uh, with some really nice landing spots. Um, it's close for me just to just to mess with you guys though. I'm gonna take Denzel Mims, who is a you first son of a- <laughs> who is a first rounder in this. Uh, in this mock draft and a nice landing spot with the Packers would be a great compliment to Devonte Adams. Uh, and, and the Packers would finally get their wide receiver too. I have to say, I, I was kind of, kind of practicing a little bit of gamesmanship here. Cause I knew Dan was going to take rugs. I knew you have Jefferson, I think higher than Mims in your rankings, Ryan. So <laughs> I was hoping I would be able to slide Mims down to this one Oh nine pick, but obviously that didn't work out. So I'll go ahead and take Justin Jefferson. He goes to the Eagles in this mock. Like he's gone t- to the Eagles in almost every single mock I've seen. Uh, still a good landing spot, still a great player. Uh, so happy to get him here at 109. Yeah, a nice landing spot, a nice spot. in the, It seems like a safe spot, Matt, for, for him in this draft. Uh, that, that puts me on the clock at the 1.10. And, and while I agree with Ryan that there's a running back that I like and he seems like he should be going about now, I'm sure we're talking about the same guy, Ryan, the landing spot is not ideal because of something that has already happened. So I'll pivot over to the wide receiver position, much like both of you did. And I'm going to take T Higgins, the wide receiver from Clemson. He goes early in the second round to the Houston Texans, who, as we all know, are in big need of a wide receiver. I'm a big T Higgins fan. And if he lands somewhere with the good, draft capital like he does early in the second here uh in a spot where they need a wide receiver and certainly need that that big guy that guy that can be that that presence in the red zone and and score touchdowns uh that seems like a nice landing spot for t higgins so late in the first round t higgins at 110 yeah i think i think higgins was probably the obvious pick there he was uh he was basically the next uh, wide receiver running back uh, drafted in the mock draft. And uh, we've talked the past couple episodes about the Texans wide receiver situation. That's uh, a huge need for them. Uh, I'm going, I'm going back to, uh, I guess my pre-draft rankings and I'm going to take Jalen Rager here in this mock. He falls to the end of the second round to Seattle, which it's really interesting. We've, we've had Seattle taking a wide receiver, um, in the second round, in at least two of our mock drafts, this is the third one we've done the past three weeks now. I don't think of wide receiver as a huge need for Seattle, but we've we've had them with Rager this week. We've had them, I think it was Chenault maybe a couple weeks ago. Some people out there, multiple people out there, are seeing wide receiver as a need for that team, even though they have Lockett and Metcalf, and even though... Uh, they seem to focus on running the ball more than we'd like. But uh, I'm not sure about the Rager fit, but I do like the talent. And at the end of the first round, I'll grab him. Okay, that that seems 
typical, Ryan. That that seems like right up your right up your alley for sure. Rager is your guy, so you take him at one eleven, keeping him in the first round. I I don't mind it. It seems about right for me. I have Rager a little bit lower than other other dynasty rankers. Matt, you have the final pick in the first round. Who are you gonna finish off round one with? Yeah, I can't let Clyde Edwards-Alaire fall out of the first round. So I'll take him at 112. Obviously, uh, uh, in, the, in this particular exercise, DeAndre Swift went in the first round to Miami. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire goes to Miami in the second round. Uh, you know, it's it seems, you know, not exactly very likely that they would do that, take two running backs in the first two rounds. But you never know. We see NFL teams do things all the time. Uh, but with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's receiving ability, you know, I have to think he's going to be involved if they were to invest this high of a pick on him. And because of that receiving ability, which I, I think he's probably the best receiving back in this class, uh, you know, I think he has longevity as well. Uh, only 20 years old coming out. Too. So uh, if he doesn't hit with that first team or, or you know, if, if – DeAndre Swift is just so good at the NFL level that he takes every single carry, every single touch. Then uh, Edwards Lair will have to wait a little bit, but I think he's good enough to at least get him on the field in somewhat uh, some some kind of package. And then because of that receiving ability, he'll have some longevity in his career as well. Yeah, I I don't even mind I don't mind the the double up picks in general. Um, we were talking about it before we started recording we've we've got multiple examples of them of a team drafting two players from the same position in this mock draft and we see it basically every year in the nfl you guys dealt with it with aaron jones and jamal williams a couple years ago we've seen the the patriots do it with tight ends the ravens do it with tight ends we even saw the the redskins do it with quarterbacks uh several years ago with with rg3 and Kirk cousins uh which all of those teams take a lot of criticism for it. A lot of times it ends up working out. That being said, I, I don't think the Dolphins would use a first and a second rounder on two running backs, especially these two who I think have a lot of similar strengths in, in Swift and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, to me, I, if, if they're taking two running backs, and it's probably a good idea, they have nothing on that roster right now except Jordan Howard and he he barely counts. I would <laughs> I would rather see them take Swift and and AJ Dillon on day three, something like that. Those those two different well, styles that could complement each other. Or in or in this scenario, Taylor, who went after Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So take take, take DeAndre Swift and, and Jonathan Taylor and oh, let's go. That would that would break Dynasty. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Dynasty would die. It would it would be uh, the end of us for sure. So you know that that's an interesting philosophy. And Ryan, you brought up a lot of really good points. And you know, more than anything else, it feels to me that as a football fan before a dynasty owner, it feels like it is repetition and it is a lot of the same thing. And, and the, the dolphins just need so much help. It, their offensive line is broken. They have so many holes on the defensive side there. There's almost no chance that they take two running backs of all positions with their first three picks in the draft. But of course I've been, I've been surprised in the past as well. So we're done with the first round, guys. And I started off round one with Jonathan Taylor. Then Ryan took J.K. Dobbins. Matt took DeAndre Swift as we went along in this single quarterback mock draft. Then with the fourth pick, I took Jerry Judy. Then it went CeeDee Lamb, Cam Akers, Henry Ruggs, Denzel Mims, and Justin Jefferson. The final three picks of round one went Teague Higgins, Jalen Rager, and Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So that leaves me on the clock in round two. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed, guys, because I, I thought maybe, Matt, that Clyde Edwards Hilaire would fall and, and that would be a bargain for me. Um, instead, I have, to, I have to pivot quickly to another running back who instead landed in a really nice landing spot. Uh, Tampa Bay takes Zach Moss, and, and I'm not the biggest Zach Moss guy, fan fellas but landing in tampa bay still in the third round middle of the third round that's a nice landing spot there's opportunity there for sure and to get that early in the second round seems like the obvious pick to me so with the 13th pick i'll take zach moss out of utah i like that pick and and i talked about the I talked about Tampa Bay and Kansas City as as landing spots. Everybody expects those two teams to take a running back. Everybody is excited about those 
the, the running back that those two teams might take. And if it is a player outside of that top five, like Zach Moss or like the player I'm going to select, then it really becomes how high do they, how high do they move? Can they get into the first round? So I'm going to take Keyshawn Vaughn. You dirty dog. I thought for sure (laughs) you guys would overlook him. And with the fourth pick in the second round, I'd get Keyshawn Vaughn. So you got me on on that one. Come on. Come on, man. You're playing with professionals. (laughs) All right. So, so in this scenario, Moss to Tampa Bay, uh, a few picks later in the third round, the Chiefs take Keyshawn Vaughn, and while on his own, he's, he's not a player I'm necessarily targeting, that landing spot would be enough to change that. And, and I think in, in a lot of scenarios, we might see those two guys uh, go above Clyde Edwards-Hilaire if, if he's the second running back that the Dolphins take. Absolutely. So before you go, Matt, at 203, I have to ask you guys, and Matt, you can chime in first. Let's flip these two landing spots around. Let's say Moss, who has a little bit more capital among dynasty owners, ends up in Kansas City. And Vaughn, on the other hand, flips to the other side of this equation how high can Zach Moss go? Because he's he's widely known as a as a more valuable valuable commodity among dynasty owners. He, he honestly, I, I mean, I would have to bump him up probably into that late first round range. But he's like the one you you could mention that would make me not as excited about a Kansas City uh, landing spot. You know, did, athletically did not test out super uh, super well and. He's he's probably not really going to catch the ball a lot. And I would think that Kansas City would want a running back that could catch the ball better than Zach Moss can. So uh, I, he would certainly be in the first round conversation, but still towards the end of that round for me. Ryan Moss in Kansas City, Keyshawn Vaughn in Keyshawn Vaughn in Tampa Bay. Does that change things for you? Does he move into the first round? I'm talking about Zach Moss. Yeah, if Moss were to go to Kansas City, if we're talking about that similar third-round draft capital, I think he's a first-rounder. And In fact, if you look at our ADP, we run 10 rookie mocks every single month. Zach Moss is already a first-rounder for some people. So if you give him, uh, if you give him day two capital and you give him basically a top two or three landing spot, then yeah, he's, he's certainly going to be a first-rounder. Yeah, he's going to be a first-rounder for sure. Let's move on to the third pick in the second round, Matt. Yeah, I might as well I might as well burst the bubble here and go quarterback. Uh, I've been been standing for Tua Tungavailoa as my quarterback one the whole time, so I am going to take him over Joe Burrow here at the 203. So we finally dip our toe into the quarterback market. I'm I'm happy you did that. Matt, because it it pushes good players down to me, honestly, and <laughs> it's fair. I'm I'm sitting at the 204. I am gonna take a guy that we just talked about. It's Michael Pittman. He goes in the third round to the Miami Dolphins, and and while you can say what you want about the Dolphins as an NFL franchise, and and maybe they have a little bit of depth at wide receiver. Michael Pittman landing there in the third round seems like there's going to be opportunity early. Seems like, especially if this mock is what we're going by and Justin Herbert, who was the sixth overall pick in this mock draft done by Matt Miller, he goes to Miami. There's some promise on this offense. So while I don't agree with Matt Miller that all these skill position players are going to go in the first three rounds to the Miami Dolphins. If Pittman lands there with the quarterback in place, I think there's some upside and he belongs here early in the second round. All right. I am on the clock at 17 overall, 2.05. And I think I have to go wide receiver. I, I don't love a lot of these landing spots of these third rounders. I do like the, uh, the Pittman landing spot. Uh, that would have been my pick. I'm going to go with Brandon Ayuk. Uh, we've seen him, interestingly, as as a first-rounder in some NFL mock drafts, certainly a second-rounder. In Matt Miller's mock, he's falling to the third round to the Washington Redskins. This, this has become one of those teams I've been trying to avoid from a dynasty perspective. Uh, but he does he does give that offense something they don't have, that... that uh, 
downfield, that big big play threat. So Ayuk, 2.05. So Ayuk goes fifth in the second round. Matt, you going to dip your toe back in that quarterback market? <laughs> I kind of want to, to be honest with you, but I don't want to miss out on any of these, any more of these receivers. So I'm going to go uh, with LaVisca Chenault to Jacksonville. Not a, not a super great spot considering all of the wide receivers they have there. But I think you have to say that he, if he went to Jacksonville, he'd be already the second best behind DJ Chark uh, and maybe eventually could be better than Chark, to be honest with you. So uh, obviously injuries are a concern. The, it doesn't really seem like a lot of these injuries are ones that could possibly reoccur you know they're not uh you're not they're not the the ones that, that generally do that but they obviously still a, an issue for him so but the talent is too much to ignore here in the third round lavisca chenault jackson no oh, if i would have had this pick uh and you hadn't taken chenault of course chenault would have been mine and i would have said a lot of the the same things so i have to pivot now and although I, I wouldn't regularly make this pick because I feel like the guy that's already in place is, is going to be a playmaker and and the the team really believes in him. I'm talking about Jay Sternberger with the Green Bay Packers. If this plays out, if Matt Miller's uh, mock draft plays out and Cole Komet goes late in the second, or really, really mid-second round to the Green Bay Packers, uh he's got to be considered a second round pick. And, and while maybe it feels a little bit high at the two Oh seven, I'll take Cole commit because if the Packers are going to, are going to invest that pick in a tight end, it means they don't believe in Jay Sternberger, which to be honest with you fellas, I feel like they do believe in Jason and, and that he is going to be the guy moving forward. Yeah, I do too. We just keep seeing the Packers. Uh, again in these mocks and it's it's always difficult to know how much how much weight to put into them but we always see the Packers taking a tight end in that second or third round so we will have to see what happens I still like buying low on uh, or maybe it's not buying low but I I still like investing in Jay Sternberger pre-draft all right 20th overall I am going to take Lynn Bowden Jr. wide receiver going to the Patriots in this mock uh, late in the third round. Uh, we're, we're, we're running out of the combination of talent and, and nice landing spot. And I don't know this looking at this made me wonder, are the Patriots, do we even look at the Patriots as a good landing spot anymore? I don't know, but I do know I love Bowden's talent, so I will take him. All right. Um, I, I do want to take Burrow because there's no way he's going to fall this low, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. In fact, I'm going to take probably a, a surprise pick. It was a surprise that he went to this high in the mock to me, and that's Chase Claypool lands in Indianapolis, six four two thirty eight. Uh, you know, if he if he becomes a tight end, that'd be great. But Indianapolis is drafting him here in the early mid-ish second as a wide receiver. Uh, if he was to stick at wide receiver, he offers a nice compliment to the speed guys in, in Paris Campbell and T.Y. Hilton. So uh, this is an interesting landing spot for a guy that I'm not super high on at the wide receiver position. But if the Colts like him that much, I like that team and their front office and what they do, uh, both player personnel-wise and schematically. So I'm, I'm willing to take a shot on him here in the late second. Yeah, I like what you did there, Matt. I'm on the clock at 2.10, and I'm going to dip a little bit lower, too, as, You know, just like you did. Darrington Evans, we talked about him earlier. He lands in Buffalo, third-round draft capital. Uh, if that plays out, he lands in the third round. It's not like Buffalo's locked up as far as how that backfield plays out. And if that's the case, I'm I feel good about Darrington Evans and and really just keep keep bypassing this quarterback position. It doesn't matter in quarterback in one quarterback leagues. Yeah, I, I like uh, I like the Evans pick. I already talked about him as well. Claypool to the Colts makes perfect sense. We know Devin Funchess worked out so well for them, so that's <laughs> seems so like a dig. Matt, <laughs> just a little bit. All right. Hey, he's a Packer now, Dan. I know. That's what I mean. That that's year. a dig. It, it was like a really <laughs> subtle dig from uh. Mr. Dynasty McDowell. <laughs> well, Dan told me to ignore the quarterback position, but I can't ignore it any longer. I'm going to take Joe Burrow, 2.11. I do think in most rookie drafts, he will go higher. Maybe not up 
near the top of the second where Matt took a quarterback foolishly, but uh, <laughs> it, at least in at least in the middle of the uh, middle of the round. So I'll I'll go with Burrow. Expected, of course, to be the Bengals' top overall pick. That's where he goes in this mock, and I'm gonna like his weapons there in Cincinnati. Matt, it feels like the pressure is on to take anything other than a quarterback, <laughs> but there is one just screaming at you. I'm sure. There, there is, but I'm glad Ryan took Burrow so that I didn't have to do it so that I can take a different position. I'm going to go Adam Troutman in the third round to the Patriots. You know, he's he's not Gronk, but people are going to say he's Gronk. So even if uh, even if he doesn't work out uh, production-wise in year one, I think he's still going to have some, some trade value just based on where he landed. Guys, there were a few names that went in Matt Miller's mock draft that were interesting. Donovan Peoples-Jones lands in the third round to the Dallas Cowboys. They, you could argue, have a need. Gabriel Davis lands with Baltimore in round three as well. Uh, A.J. Dillon to the Chargers in round four. There are some people that would be excited about that. And Antonio Gandy-Golden in round four to Carolina. Um, the one that really screams out to me, KJ Hamler in the second round, the wide receiver, uh, he goes in the second round to the Jets. So we all avoided KJ Hamler because of that. Uh, my weekly, I guess, notice that I'm a KJ Hamler fan and I want that guy on my team. So round two of our mock draft, single quarterback mock draft, Zach Moss goes one followed by Keyshawn Vaughn and Tua Tagovailoa. Number four is Michael Pittman, followed by Brandon Ayuk, LaVisca Chenault, and Cole Komet. Number eight in the second round is Lynn Bowden Jr., excuse me, Lynn Bowden Jr., followed by Chase Claypool, Darrington Evans, and Joe Burrow. And the final pick of our two-round mock draft this week is Adam Troutman, the tight end who ends up in, in... with the Patriots. Holy cow, that was weak. That's going to wrap it up, wrap it up for this week's edition of the DLF Dynasty podcast for Ryan and Matt. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again next week. something we need to talk about i I did i guess holy cow i'm sorry aaron (laughs) you had an agenda it's on there it says Uh, i didn't it doesn't say matt is going to talk about this